Blog Talk Radio. with us tonight, and we are listening to the Salsa, Afro, Cuban, Jazz, and Rock. How are you doing, Eddie Rodriguez? Thank you very much for inviting me again to your show, Beverly. I'm doing mighty fine here in uh, the island of Puerto Rico, where we're, uh, we're having uh, uh, warnings for uh, tropical depression coming through the Atlantic. Uh, thank God mm. I'm on the being side of the island, so uh, I was actually on my way back to New Jersey uh, at midnight tonight, and uh, so I'm glad I'm I'm able to be on with you tonight and and share some of some of this great music from, from yeah. Cuba that uh, has evolved uh, today, uh, and some of the artists that are gone and uh, their music still lives, and I'm very very happy to to join you there and. In the in the Motor City, uh, yes. and 
just happy to be here tonight with you. Uh, praise the Lord. Well, thank you. And who are we going to be listening to tonight? Tonight, we're, we're, we're going to have the next set is going to be by uh, the late Ralph Irizarry, the late percussionist, timbale player, just like Tito Puente. As a matter of fact, Tito Puente was one of his mentors. Uh, and Ralph Irizarry uh, used to play with a group called uh, what Ray Barreto. Ray Barreto was an incredible percussionist, uh, a member of the final All-Stars. Uh, um, he was a conga player. You know? So um, Ralph Irizarry was a timbale player. And so those two instru- instruments, you know, that's percussion. is very, very important, you know, for, for the type of music that, um, you know, people were, or, you know, consuming uh, at that time and still today consuming salsa music. Um, uh, Ray Barretta used to have some great singers. Uh, one of his singers at one point was uh, a gentleman by the name of Ruben Blades, who uh, later became uh, an actor. And Ruben is still touring today. You know, Ray Barretta, rest in peace. Uh, uh, he had a, a nickname. They used to call him Mr. Hard Hands. He was very tall, and he had huge hands. And uh, the first time I heard about Ray Barreto, I was uh, it was in the '60s. I was um, I went to the New York World's Fair, and uh, Ray Barreto was performing not in the any Latin um, pavilion. Uh, he was performing at the in the African pavilion. Obviously, uh, he drums and the association with the conga drums, you know, throughout the years has always been uh, an instrument that was, uh, that was, has its roots in Africa and, and ended up, you know, in the New World. Uh, and, and people like uh, Ray Barreto were, were just great at creating music with, uh, with the conga uh, drums and obviously people like Patato Valdez and and so many others. And, and Ralph Irizarry was a timbala player, which is like more just those two drums and the cowbell, and, you know, and, and the bells and, you know, different cymbals. You know, more like a drum in, in that part, you know, because you use sticks. But uh, Ray Barreto and people like Batato Valdez, you know, they use their hands on skin. So uh, we're going to hear from, uh, from a great, great, you know, timbala player, uh, Ralph Rosari, may he rest in peace. Uh, he's a wonderful friend, husband, uh, father. Uh, as a matter of fact, he had an acting part in the in the movie The Mambo Kings. Uh, so if you ever see The Mambo Kings again, uh, the uh, actor who played the butcher um, is uh, is Ralph Rosari. So uh, his group, he okay. created a group called Timba Laye. And I've been talking to you about Timba, T, T like and Tommy, I, Iris, Iris, and Mary, B, Barry, uh, uh, B, Boy, uh, A, Adam, Timba. And uh, that was music from Cuba uh, that is uh, originally from Cuba, um, mm-hmm. evolving from the, from the Cuban traditional son cubano, son montuno, and to what was uh, created by V, like in Victor, A. Adam, and Nancy, repeated, Von Von, 
uh, a gentleman, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, Juan Formel, created this group and you know, had violins and flutes and horns and great percussion. He was a bassist and uh, had some great rhythms that, and some great um, background vocals, uh, choruses that, that were repetitive and, and people would, you know, sing these choruses at the shows. And I got to experience that in Cuba uh, myself once, incredible. And, and Rob took some of that sound and created his own kind of group in, in, in New York called Timbalaya, T-I-M-B-A-L-A-Y-E, Timbalaya. And we're going to hear some of his music tonight. Uh, so Rob uh, Rosario's music lives forever. And uh, let's hear some music from my friend, the late great percussionist, Ralph Irizarry. All right.
are listening to Salsa, Afro-Cuban, Jazz, and Rock with Eddie Rodriguez. Wow. Eddie is, what is, is in Puerto Rico. Yes. Ah, I you know, the music we just heard was uh, it was absolutely incredible. You know, the first two numbers, the Ekesi, uh and then um, Mojo Cubano. Um, you know, we heard a lot of drumming there. That was Ralph Irizarry and his group, Team Balaya. Um, You know, he had some melodic, um, you know, compositions and filled them in with, um, uh, you know, just a lot of great solos and, you know, a great arrangement. Uh, you know, one of the things that Ralph had was good arrangers. And um, when I listened to the track tonight, you know, all I could all I can really see was this show when he did it live. I saw him do a live show, and you know, I mean, the recordings are, are great, but you know, we, we don't have Ralph here with us anymore. But when he was here, that those live shows were just incredible. Um, it was like you just wanted more, and um, you know. So, so that's what Ralph gave to the world: uh, that feeling, um, that, that that music, that, that creativity. Uh, I was with him when he recorded his first album. Uh, I was in at the studio. I was I was with him from time to time when he was putting the arrange, getting arrangements, getting compositions, um, working with people like Hector, Oscar Hernandez. Who, he had worked with on tour worldwide uh, for years with uh, with the great Ruben Blades, and um, you know Ralph was just loved by 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 everyone that, that knew him. He had a uh, a great personality and uh, just so serious about his music, and and you know he felt it and he made everyone around him feel it. Uh, so um, you know I'm I'm honored to to Remember tonight, uh, a great musician, a great human being, someone that we can spotlight, uh, put a spotlight on, and, and people could hear, uh, you know, what he did while he was, uh, um, you know, on this dimension, in this, in this dimension. So, uh, then, then the third track was uh, a group from Puerto Rico. By the way, Ralph was from Puerto Rico. His family was from Ponce. Puerto Rico, which a lot of great came from Puerto Rican um, sports figures like uh, Jose Chegui uh, Torres, a, a boxing champion, welterweight uh, champion of the world. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, but Chegui was also, I got to know Chegui, he was also a journalist. Uh, he was, uh, you know, a great, great, great human being. Uh, he came from Ponce, a great singer by the name of Chil Feliciano, who really kicked off um, that entire movement with, with teenagers uh, singing uh, with a group by the name of Joe Cuba, Joe Cuba Sextet. And um, uh, once again, you know, a wonderful singer, one, uh, you know, an original member of the Final All-Stars. When I mention the Final All-Stars, I'm talking about the granddaddy of salsa music uh, groups. Uh, this was the group that toured the world, um, promoted by a gentleman that I worked with for 30 years, uh, Mr. Ralph Mercado, may he rest in peace. And he took the Final All-Stars to Africa. I mean, he took, he took them to Japan. 
it, it was amazing that, you know, salsa music during that time, the 70s, the 60s, 60s and 70s, grew to the point that uh, today what, what we're talking about is Cuban salsa, which is the evolution of uh, a sound that was started in the 70s in Cuba called Songo by the group Iraqueri, like I mentioned. And then in the 80s, it became more popular with a group called Van Van, like I mentioned earlier. And then Puerto Rico, we just heard um, um, a, a group by the name of Batacumbele that, that is very much uh, influenced by that sound coming out of Cuba at, here in Puerto Rico and created a group uh, called uh, Batacumbele, Eric Figueroa on piano, the late Cachete Maldonado on congas. I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, from time to time, it just had so many great artists, Papo Vasquez, great bonus on, you know, on, on that date. Uh, it, you know, just, uh, you know, something that, that lives forever. So uh, I'm glad you played Batacumbele. We have a lot more music of, of theirs coming along. But uh, getting back to Ralph, uh, we're going we're to have some more music by Ralph Irizarry and Timbalaya later on, on, on during the show. Um, but um, uh, Batacumbele, I'd like to uh, just kind of focus on them for a minute because um, they played a music that was, or their style of, of, of the composition, the arrangements, uh, were so close to what was banned in the United States by the, by the Cuban exile community. Uh, you know, it sounded too much Cuban. Um, and, and, you know, it was not going to see the light of day on commercial radio. Uh, as a result, um, because, you know, some people that went to, to Latin music, um, we had a different thing going on during, um, during the 70s and the 60s and, and the 80s, you know, even into the 90s, uh, where you, know, you could go to, to a, a Latin record shop, you know, where they had all the Latin music. And um, you could ask the, the owner, usually the owner, you owned it, operated. Uh, they have work, people that worked there as well for many, many years. But you could, you could, you know, go in and say, hey, you know, what's, what came in new? And they play you a little something and say, wow, oh, man, that sounds great. And, you know, there were certain artists that came, you know, they had new releases. And, you know, you wanted to get their new release and, you know, uh, so, you know, it was a different vibe, you know. That's how we found out about this music. Otherwise, we would have never known about it because they were not going to play it on commercial radio. And the very few um, TV shows that they had that were Latin music uh, on one television network, Spanish television network, uh, in New York, I'm talking about, uh, you know, didn't play this kind of music. They went towards more like that Latin, Tito uh, Puente sound and, and artists like Joe Feliciano and artists like that. But, um, you know, I just wanted to, uh, you know, pay tribute to these groups because um, they're not around anymore. But um, Cumbella, who we just heard, you know, did their thing in the 80s. And um, Ralph Irizarry, who we heard before that, um, he did his thing in the 90s. And uh, like I said, he was from, his family was from Ponce, Puerto Rico. He, he was actually a Brook. He uh, he grew up in Brooklyn, lived in Brooklyn, and um, uh, you know it's uh, it's just you know wonderful to be with you tonight. 
and mm-hmm. um, listen to some of the things that he created uh, as a producer and a musician. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say about Rob during this set is that I remember him when he recorded his first album. Um, and okay. um, I, was, I was the president. I was the head of a label in New York uh, called uh, Tropy Jazz Universal. It was distributed by Universal Music. And I was the head of that uh, label. And um, Ralph came to the office one day. We had an office on Prince Street in, in, uh, in so- the whole Soho district of uh, lower Manhattan. And he, uh, he gave me the tape and uh, a cassette. <laughs> and uh, I went into my office and I listened to it. And I loved it. And, and, and you know, I said, wow, you know, what do you want to do? You know, I'm here. He said, well, you know, I want this, I want that. This is going to this is gonna sell, you know, this is going to be a big hit. You know, this is going to uh, sell a lot of CDs and, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, um, what can you, what can you offer, you know? So I went, you know, I had a direct, you know, to pick up the phone or go into the mm-hmm. office of the, of the president, the CEO of, of RMM Records which was the owner of the, of the label and, um, and the sub-labels um, and told him, you know, about Ralph having this, this music and had a product that, you know, that I wanted to sign. And um, he didn't have any fans or buts about it. He said, absolutely, Eddie, you want to sign it? You know, go ahead. You know, uh, uh, this is the budget. You know, I think he gave me like $11,000. So mm-hmm. you know, to buy it, buy it out. So in other words, that 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 master that he recorded would belong to the Tropic Jazz Records, and then Tropic Jazz would have the job of promoting it and marketing it, and you know making sure that uh, it gets to the right places, uh, so that it can get you know maybe some jazz radio show uh, uh, stations that had a special hour or two for Latin music or college radio stations. Uh, but nothing commercial. You know, the jazz stations would not play it mostly at that time. Uh, I'm talking about mm-hmm. this type of music. Um, more jazz than, 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 you know, it's just a fusion of it's just drums and horns and, you know, a rhythm section. Yeah, this that, was. You know, a rhythm section. So let me finish my story. So I said, Ralph, okay. you know, yeah, man, we're, we're, we want to sign you, you know. And uh, this is the offer. And so I told him what was the offer, and he told me, no, this is going to sell, you know, it's going to be a big boom in sales, it's going to sell a lot. And, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, if I have a product, I'm going to believe in it 100%. You know, what it's going to do and how it's going to perform commercially and in terms of sales, because this is a business. This is the Latin music business. Right. It all depends on sales, and you have to pay money out in publishing, royalties, and performing rights societies. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot behind the, 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 just the music. And so and Ralph at the time was so uh, positive that, that he was going to be able to do a lot better than $11,000. And so uh, he said, you know, he said no. He, he passed on the deal. Uh, what, what he didn't realize is that we were dealing with numbers, and we had great artists, Latin jazz artists like Tito Puente and Dave Valentine and uh, Giovanni Hidalgo and Copy uh, Jazz All Stars, and you know that music, that genre of music that we call Latin jazz. 
um, did not perform well, you know, commercially. And we put it out there with distributors to get it to all the record stores. Uh, since it wasn't getting played on the radio, you know, it was mostly, you know, uh, the, the publicity and the promotion that we were able to do within that jazz or Latin jazz community, which was not big. So the sales numbers, we knew the sales numbers, you know, so, you know, $3,000, 3,000 units, you know, we could count on 3,000 units. Now, when you're selling wholesale as a, as a record label, you know, even though people pay, you know, 14, you know, 10.99 or 9.99 for a CD, uh, we would sell it or distribute it, um, you know, for a wholesale price of $5 per unit. And so the, 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 um, average amount of sales of a Latin jazz album was about 3,000 units that we could count on. You know, 3,000 units times $5, $15,000. We were offering him 11, but we were going to put publicity, promotions, marketing, tour, you know, every getting him at the shows, booking him. Um, and um, he got to do his thing. He, don't get me wrong, he got to perform, he had a great mm-hmm. group. But uh, I missed out on the opportunity to represent him for the label, and uh, and I think we would have had a blast. But uh, you know, once again, I I have no idea how many units he ended up selling. But I could tell you from a factual standpoint because I monitored all the other product that was out there, and they were performing as well as we were, you know, which was not mm-hmm. into you know the tens of thousands of units. Or, that we were out there selling with salsa music, which was 50,000 units, 100,000 units, you know, half a million units. And, and those are the kind of numbers that, that, that were a priority. So what, what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, we had that, uh, we had that one opportunity uh, to work together closely, but uh, as a friend, uh, we remained, we remained friends uh, throughout all the years and, uh, and this is laughter and funny guy. He was a great guy. So uh, rest in peace, uh, Ralph Rosario. We're going to hear more music. His music will never die. His music is forever. And um, I'm honored to be on with you tonight. Thanks for inviting me, Beverly. You know, once again, another week where you're allowing me to share some of my uh, thoughts and uh, some of the music that, that – um, that I was, I experienced, uh, have experienced, and even to today still experiencing in my career as a, as a Latin music industry uh, uh, professional. So once again, thank you very much. And uh, well, thank Bella. you. And I had a question. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So you know, you say it wasn't getting played on the commercial uh, radios and things like that. Now, was it because of the American Cubans that was over here, or was it something more than that, that the reason it wasn't getting played? Well, you got to understand um, one thing, Beverly. Um, the, the, when, when the revolution happened in Cuba, uh, well, mm-hmm. since the 40s, I mean, uh, you know, Cuba was a, a paradise. Uh, it was a, a – uh, there was a – you know, a casino is a Las Vegas in the trop- on a tropical island. Uh, and obviously, you know, we know that, you know, there was a lot of mobsters involved at that time, Meyer, Lans- uh, Meyer, Lansky, Meyer Lansky. 
was was one of them. There's a movie about that, uh, that that's very interesting. Um, and um, you know, so uh, there was a president, uh, you know, at that time, uh, a president of of Cuba who who accepted that kind of you know uh, industry, you know, mm-hmm. gambling, tourism, and people coming in and spending money, and there was money on the island and. You know, um, you know, with a lot of politicians like everywhere else, you know, they they, they look after their family first. But, um, you know, so so when you know there was an industry, there was a radio industry, there was a television industry. I mean, even Desi Arnaz when he came to the, to, to to Hollywood, instead of shoot, they were shooting with one camera on one, most of these shows or two cameras. He came in and they started shooting with two or three cameras or four cameras, and mm-hmm. editing those I love those shows. Uh, you know, so Cuba had something that, you know, as far as the media, the Spanish media in particular, is concerned. And those same people were the ones that had the money that when Fidel Castro declared that he was going to, uh, there was going to be a new government and the president uh, uh, had to, a, had a, you know, get out of the island and all these mobsters that were there and all these people that had money, all that money was going to be taken by, by, uh, by Fidel Castro because he would say, hey, you know, he was creating a socialist government, so all the money was going to go to the people. <clears throat> that was his theory. <clears throat> um, so, you know, obviously later on we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. He was hooked up, you know, very closely with Russia. But people laughed, and those people had the skills. And when they came to America, they hated anything that had to do with Fidel Castro. So, yes, it was the Cuban exile community. Uh, um, censored any music, any artist coming out of Cuba. You were in Miami and Cuba, it was okay. But if you were in Cuba, their theory was that money's going back to Fidel Castro to to uh, finance his army and, and, and put the people. Everybody was, you know, that was successful in Cuba. All of a sudden, became poor. You know, I had to mm-hmm. send off the rations and things like that. And today, you know, Cuba's in shambles after 63 years of of uh, Fidel Castro and now his brother, uh, Raul Castro's government. So, yes, that community did it for the hate of Fidel Castro. That was the reason they censored music like this. But, uh, uh, you know, right now, you know, the, the new Cubans that have come in, the Cubans that... that Cubans that came in the 80s, you know, uh, Fidel Castro met a lot of Cubans come out on the 80s. They didn't want to go, go. And America accepted them. And, you know, now they don't. You know, now you, <laughs> you can't touch touch water, touch land and become, a, 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 you know, um, seek asylum as a Cuban. They don't allow that anymore. But uh, so those Cubans new can't Cubans. can't come over here? So the Cubans, Cubans cannot come over here, come no. Now no, they got the no, open border. Everybody else no. coming over here. Well, wow. they're coming in that same way. So they're mm. coming in by boat, okay. you know, the Key West, okay. Florida. Uh, but okay. uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, or they get sent back, you know. They um, they find out they had they were criminals, or you know, they had any kind of record. But mm-hmm. um, on the um, today. You know, we have a different uh, type of Cuban-American, you know, uh, 
that is in power, so to speak. They still have the old guard, you know, um, but there's uh, a, a newer uh, train of thought in terms of creativity. And um, we're already exposed to this music in Cuba uh, and uh, here in the U.S. all consume it uh, when they can. There's one group in Miami called Timba Alive, L-I-V-E, Timba, T-I-M-B-A, Alive, L-I-V-E. And so they're making some headway. I see that they're touring. And uh, and you see groups from Cuba once in a while. They call it cultural exchange. Um, okay. But not commercialized, not commercialized, uh, you know, mm-hmm. mostly college gigs and maybe they'll do some performing arts centers and things like that. But, you know, as far as uh, they'll do a Carnegie Hall like uh, one of this social club did when, when they were uh, touring. But Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden, Philip Madison Square Garden, you know, 18,000 seats, you know, you have to you have to have a, a, a following. Uh, in, in, in the U.S., and that comes from repetition and utterance of your name and your music being repeated, uh, you know, for you know, 10, 12, 15 weeks, uh, eight times a day, 12 times a day right. on the radio. Right. You know, and so that, that's how it works, and these groups can, can never get there. They, could, they, they couldn't see the light again. They wouldn't even play one, one, one time. And so, but um, now it's kind of, you see some Puerto Rican groups also taking that kind of style, that Cuban Cuba style. Um, but Batacumbela was in the 80s. And mm-hmm. they are a direct influence from uh, Iraquere and that group, the group called Los Van Van. And Iraquere was a brainchild of pianists uh, Chucho Valdez, uh, ranger, composer, band leader, uh, you know, performing artist, recording artist too, uh, and uh, Los Van Van with Juan Forme. Uh, that was his baby. And so um, uh, those groups were born in Cuba and they were able to tour the world but not become popular in the United States. So. Mm. Wow. All that good talent. I'm telling you, you know, it's all about creativity yeah. and music evolving, and uh, but it's also about money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there were there were not the investors were not there to to put in a lot of money and to promote and market and 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 put up, go, you know, have the budget to to go on tour and put them in different venues and you know whatever they made uh, the, the promoter made that's what they made and. You know, uh, today is totally different. You have to have a huge social media following, number one. You have to be on the billboard mm-hmm. charts. That's uh, that's a must. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, because or else you're 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 uh, you're destined to to just do small clubs and club dates and festivals and things like that. But uh, to command uh, an audience, uh, you know, just with your name. Um, you know, in a huge uh, sports arena or stadiums all over Latin America. Right. Um, uh, or uh, even in Latin America, um, uh, you know, it's just brewing. It just keeps brewing all these years. All these years get gets better and better. 
And the good thing is that there's a dance attached to this music. Not not what we just heard from Batacombele, you know, because mm-hmm. that's you know, it's kinda of more cultural. But um, you know, Dimba, you know, has a has a dance to it and it's a mm-hmm. great dance. Totally different than salsa. Uh, the classic salsa that everybody knows today. Uh, and, you know, even Colombia has their own style of, of dance form for salsa. You know, it's interesting how salsa has evolved. And mm-hmm. so uh, today, uh, I believe, is the moment for for new uh, timba or Cuban salsa groups to to make a name for themselves uh, in the market because people are uh, younger people uh, are, are, are listening to it, even though it's old, it's been around for a long time. To them, it's new. It's not their parents' music. Classic, classic, classic salsa is their grandparents' mm-hmm. music. Forget about their parents. Their parents are into reggaeton, but mm-hmm. um, you know, so they don't, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't consume it. They don't, they don't want to learn how to dance. Either. But people dance salsa all over the world, and there's festivals all over the world that include salsa artists. Uh, the groups that we just heard, Batacombera and Timbalaya, um, they were more towards uh, jazz festivals. A jazz festival appreciate all the, 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 the talent buyers. They know their audience, and their audience appreciates art. And these groups, right. what they're doing was art. Not not something commercial. You heard the length. Even the length of the compositions was long. You know, nobody's going to play down the radio a composition that long for five minutes, six minutes. You know, you know, three minutes. I mean, even before that rock and roll era was two minutes and something, and that was AM mm-hmm. radio. Uh, <clears throat> FM. <clears throat> Um, excuse me, FM radio was a little bit more uh, lenient and, and, you know, they didn't have as many advertisers. So um, they, they could stretch out a song, you know, four minutes and something. But today they, they, they want songs to be three minutes, you know. Um, they're from, if you're a salesperson or manager of a radio station, um, you know, you don't make money from playing music. You make money from the advertisers. And right. so you you want more commercials than you want music. But if you have so many commercials, people will not listen to you. Uh, right. As a matter of fact, if people are listening to radio as they were before, uh, there's companies, uh, countries, I'm sorry, there's countries and there's companies that, that are just taking uh, FM radio out of the, out of the system completely. There is no FM radio in a country like Norway. It's only digital radio, and so um, it's it's slowly happening here. It'll happen. Um, more people yeah. listen to and subscribe to uh, Spotify, for instance, and than they do to a local radio station. They only listen to while they're uh, in their car driving from point A to point B. And so, a lot of no, times you're not doing that because you you connect your phone to the car. Uh, you know, people are just listening to their music list. Yeah, exactly. It's the music that you like, you program it. So mm-hmm. you know that's the uh, that's the sense that the way the world is 
and media, especially radio, is is evolving. And you know, everything yeah. has to evolve. Every uh, you know, there's you know, everything is the only thing constant is change. You know, we have four seasons. That should be enough to let people know, hey, Mother Nature changes <laughs> from season to season. And um, <clears throat> that's how well, creativity is, and uh, that's how life is, basically. So, um, yeah. Yes, I, I want to get back into some more music by Batatou. Okay. Because, uh, I think people, uh, maybe we can get their feedback after after this set. You can um, give me a number or so uh, in case anyone has to, anyone wants to make a comment or call in and have their own uh um, comments and thoughts about uh, this type of music that we're we are uh, playing tonight. Uh, it's called the music is called you know it's evolved from timba music, so it's it's a fusion, and so it was never really given a, a name like timba. You know, <clears throat> it was created by Puerto Ricans. You know, Robert Azari and, and, and uh, Eric Figueroa. And, all the rest of the musicians that were on it, great musicians. So, you know, but it's uh, it was the evolution, uh, the creative uh, part of the music business that, uh, you know, people like me got attracted to and uh, were able to appreciate as art. So without any further ado, let's hear some more Bata Kumbele. Uh, okay. And the call-in number is 323 one five eight six and push number one if you have a comment or a question about the music. Here we go. Ay, ay, ay. 
los comentarios, José. Suspende los comentarios, José. Porque yo, aunque tú no lo creas, Juanjo, sigo siendo el más severe. Suspende los comentarios, José. Suspende los comentarios, José. El más severe Supe colarme en la finca de la verdad Supe hacer buena música y calidad Hoy tú te has dado cuenta de que es verdad Siempre se abre paso, ya lo verás Yo soy el más severe
All right, all right, all right. We are listening to salsa, Afro, Cuban, jazz, and rock with Eddie Rodriguez. Oh, Beverly, did you feel it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love. I know that you love the, you know, the drums and you know what, the influence uh, of Africa and uh, Latin music, uh, and um, you know, we uh, Latin music. When I say Afro-Cuban, you know, Afro-Cuban music uh, and yeah, Afro-Cuban I'm getting jazz. A feed, I'm getting a feedback. Do you have? Do you hear feedback? No, I don't hear any feedback right now. Hello, Beverly? Okay. Uh, how about okay. now? Okay. Now I don't hear. Okay, okay great. Um, I don't think. I was saying... Okay. I was saying that Afro-Cuban jazz was the, um, you know, the first type of of um, influence of uh, what we call today Latin jazz music. Um, just like everything else you know, we were talking about, the only thing constant is change, especially in music and creativity. Um, the Afro-Cuban jazz at that time was Mario Bauza, who created a sound that uh, people like Tito Puente loved. Uh, you know, their influence uh, was from the 40s. I'm still getting... Kind of a uh, echo. Yeah, it's like a echo. I can hear everything you say twice. Okay. Well, yeah. um, I think that perhaps may uh, we should play some more music of Ralph Rosari and resolve this uh, this technical issue. We come to you live. Uh, the, you know, Beverly's on her iPhone. I'm on my iPhone. I'm using my speaker on my iPhone, and uh, I hope that uh, that we can fix this technical difficulty and get back to some more music. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
We're listening to Salsa, Afro, Cuban, Jazz, and Rock with Eddie Rodriguez. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. I, I hear myself, too. <laughs> do Are you, you hear me? Yeah. I do not. You don't hear it on your end, huh? I do not. I think yeah. it's on your end. Okay. Um, okay. But, you know the, the the music that we just heard from uh, was from Rafa Rosari. Um, prior to that, we heard about Um But once again, you know, this is uh, the creativity from these uh, Puerto Rican uh, musicians, band leaders, um, record producers, because they produce their own recordings. Um, you know, the 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 influence of other music on, on you know they. To what we're hearing tonight, uh, and uh, the base of that is Cuba. It's from Cuba, uh, and and like we were talking about, you know, weeks ago, the music is called timba, T-I-M-B-A, timba music. Uh, and you know, today it's called Cuban salsa, but it's not what we're hearing tonight. You know, we're hearing a, a, a fusion of uh like you know we mentioned earlier that you know the only thing constant is change and the music keeps evolving you know to what we have today um we have great salsa artists like mark anthony who who um, you know are popular in 50 countries around the world and, and forget about the u.s um you know there you know so many markets that he fills sports arenas Sold out show, just him alone. And that salsa was created in the nineties. Um, you know, prior to, to to that, it was you know really you know a marketed uh, uh, brand called salsa, and that was created in the uh, you know late sixties and seventies. And, and prior to that, you know, it was the Latin you know Latin music. Um, what was the music? It was called the mambo, the dance form was called the mambo and the cha-cha. And so these groups, the big bands of Latin music of gold of that era, you know, once again attracted the dancers. And so today we still have the same phenomenon happening, uh, not only with tropical salsa, Latin jazz is, is music for his art and you, you will see a Latin uh, jazz artist performing in jazz festivals uh, as part of their entire program. Um, so, you know, the, the jazz groups that we hear, you know, today, um, you know, are not commercial. You know, we don't hear them on commercial radio either. Uh, you'll hear them on jazz radio stations if you're a connoisseur of jazz music if you're a musician, if you're an artist and you appreciate art. But all in all, you know, when we, when we talk about uh, Afro-Cuban music and Latin jazz music, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at um, music that, that has um, a, a space for solos. And, you know, these musicians, these great musicians, uh, um, you know, can, you know, perform their their skills. And so that's what makes Latin jazz so interesting. Uh, the arrangements that we heard tonight are also interesting. You know, it's not just people beating drums and, 
playing a horn, you know, uh, piano or bass. Um, and, you know, there's the compositions and the arrangements. And the compositions have a melody. And um, you can tell by, by the music that we're hearing tonight that the uh, recordings were done live. Uh, today, uh, the recordings are, are, are done uh, quite differently. Uh, they, they do them in parts. So, in other words, they do a piano and bass one day. Um, they'll record that. They'll record the congas one another day, and they'll re- record the horns, uh, the trumpets another day. And you know, it's just one song, but they do it separately. Uh, they, you know, the theory is, you know, this is all happened the, during the digital age. Um, the theory is that, you know, you get a, a better quality of sound. However, I think it loses its touch of, uh, of, of feeling sometimes um, because what we heard tonight was definitely a done live. And um, the, the live in live concerts these groups used to sound just incredible just like you know Tito Plant and Eddie Palmer and even a Mark Anthony you know he's a great singer has a great band uh, but you know we have to consider uh, one thing that uh, you know the business of Latin music and the investments necessary to to, uh, to you know just be able to penetrate, you know, the the, the body and the, the the volume of music that, that is being recorded every single day all over the world, and now it, available like on a on an Apple Music or Spotify, that have a hundred million songs, uh, you know, available to 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 the consumers. So, you know, this kind of music, even on YouTube, it's there. Uh, anyone that wants to hear any of the music we heard tonight uh, is available on YouTube. Uh, but you'll see that, you know, the amount of uh, views and the amount of people that are on that, uh, that follow these groups, are, you know, are, are minimal compared to, to a Bad Bunny or to or even a Mark Anthony or a lot of other great uh, Latin singers like Hidberto Santa Rosa or Victor Manuel and the ones that are constantly touring. So, you know, the business of Latin music was not able to support or embrace this music uh, um, that we heard that your listeners are, are, you know, hearing tonight. So I want to thank you, uh, you know, to once again, you know, for allowing me to be your guest. Uh, And, um, you know, the dialogue between an African-American woman from Detroit, Michigan, and, and a Puerto Rican uh, from the Bronx uh, who's been spent a lifetime and a career in Latin music uh, has been a, a real uh, honor for me. And I want to thank you once again. I, I wanted to know how, how do you feel about what you heard tonight? Oh, you know, I, I love it. And I was looking at the, the dance, like the salsa and the uh, cha-cha, now they kind of similar, but it seems like the seltzer is more of a moving of the hips. Dance forms, you know, when we when we look at salsa, we're looking at a 
uh, you know, just a brand. But, you know, all of it is okay. an evolution. You know, the constant has changed. So, you know, from, from Latin music, when I was growing up, we just used to call it Latin music. You know, we used to go to dance at the Latin shows. Um, and um, there was an era that was called the Boogaloo era, you know. So, you know, there was different evolutions of Latin music. Um, okay. and the Boogaloo era, most of the vocals were were in English. Uh, but once again, you know, the, the evolution of Latin music, uh, the Fania All-Stars, uh, you know, there's salsa bands all over the world. Uh, but today, you know, when we look at salsa music, uh, I can tell you that it's for the, you know, 55, 65 and over crowd. It is not for mm-hmm. young people. And the music we're listening to tonight, you know, the only young people that I think might, I could be wrong, but I think that uh, an older uh, uh, an adult, uh, you know, who appreciates art could feel the music, could, could say, oh, wow, you know, this, this sounds interesting. Well, I like this, or, you know, maybe they may not like it, whatever opinion they have. But, uh, you know, the newest uh, type of uh, form of dancing is not the classic salsa, uh, especially in Europe. Uh, you know, so, And they've been influenced more by the Cuban sound of, of, of the timba music that, that was, uh, became famous in the 80s and the 90s and 2000s. And today it's called Cuban salsa, and it's it's a combination of that classic salsa mm-hmm. and uh, some very great dance moves that you know are for young people because you know they're the um, it's not that they're difficult, but if you feel them and you're a dancer and you love to dance, uh, the moves are are are, uh, are very much more. Interesting, and not flat, and they're made for people that are a little bit more in shape, athletically, right? Or yeah, have the stamina, uh, because they're they, the music, you know, drives them. And uh, uh, but you know, when we were young, we were dancing, you know, to just the classic salsa music. We we would dance for hours, and uh, mm-hmm. sweat up a storm. <laughs> so uh, there wasn't air conditioning like there was today in some of these places. Well, uh, the uh, once again, you know, I want to thank you. You know, these shows are done as a public service, and yeah. um, I want to thank you for uh, for allowing me to share some of this music with you and your audience. And I hope to be back with you next week and uh, talk about uh, one of the greatest pianists in salsa music that you can imagine, a gentleman by the name of Eddie Palmieri. We had okay. we had him on a few you know, some months back, but you know, he's going to turn 87 this year, and so um, I wanted to do you know a few weeks a series uh, on the music of uh, you know 12 time Grammy winner, um, you wow. know someone that influenced many other pianists in Latin music who fought yeah. for a Latin music category in the uh, uh, the Grammys. Back in the mm-hmm. 70s, that was able to to award a group like Irakere a Grammy. So, you know, um, kudos to him. Uh, his health is, is, is kind of like, you know, not, not like it was in the past. So uh, he canceled a few shows that I just heard about. But um, uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. And next week we will um, have an, uh, okay, a, a way. Uh, okay. 
doing something to lift up their spirits, the music of the great right. pianist, composer, arranger, band leader, Eddie Palmieri. All right. Looking forward to it. And thank you, Eddie, for uh, educating us and bringing us this great music. Look forward to next week. Better love. Better love to you. Thank you, Beverly. Thank
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.